Welcome to part two of the very first episode of Assistance Anonymous, where I sit down with M, a set production assistant who tells us all about her thoughts, feelings, and experiences from working in the entertainment industry. If you missed part one, I highly recommend listening to it first. Go check it out on SoundCloud or Spotify. Thanks. Moving from set to the home life, has the job affected your personal life at all? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um... It's really hard to date somebody that's not in the industry because like it's so it's such a demanding job. You're at work, you know, 15 hours a day. I mean, 12 hours if you're lucky. You come home and you haven't seen your partner all day and if you're on a television show, this could be for months and you're basically living virtually and if they have regular 9 to 5 enough to go to bed at 10 p.m. and you're not getting home until 9. I mean, what kind of relationship is that? So that's that's I mean, relationships to me have been one of the toughest parts. Or if I'm in a really busy spell, like, I have no time to see friends. And I think, to me, it's worth it. I think because, like, you know, they all know that I'm doing what I want to do. And, like, I love being in this industry because there's a lot of things that I love about it. And you, you get a lot of social stuff out of it. And you make a lot of new friends in it that, like, understand what you're going through. So that's nice. You have kind of, like, a work family and a, you know, your regular family. But yeah, it's interesting. Like when you're on a show, your whole life kind of falls apart. <laughs> you you know, you don't you don't pay like toll bills you're supposed to pay. You can't go to the grocery store at normal hours cuz usually you're too exhausted and and they feed you all day. So like I never cook when I'm on a show. Like just basic chores that I need to do, I I don't do because I don't have time. And then you're like, "Oh, the weekend." Well, if you're lucky, you have a full weekend. Either that or you're working six days a week, like, on a feature. And that one day that you have off is literally spent, like, not being able to move from your bed. Because as a PA, especially, your body is just so worn down by that point that you just, like... And you're emotionally worn down. Like, this is, like... I can't emphasize enough, like, what an extroverted field this is. Like, you, there is no room for introverts in film unless you are just, like, an introverted DP that gets, you know, put in. Or you're an introverted director that somehow got put in because you have a lot of friends. Or I, I don't know how people who are introverted honestly make it. You're just, like, giving so much of yourself all day long that, like, when you have that one day off, I, like, don't want to talk to anybody, you know? <laughs> It takes me after movies, it takes me like weeks to recoup and get off the couch because I'm just like so exhausted and I'm catching up on like me time, you know, <laughs> and that's I mean, and that's like another thing, too, which I know like you've probably struggled with, too, is like when you leave a set after, you know, 13 hours and you get home and you were talking about like that turnaround earlier, like you don't you can't just go to bed. It doesn't work like that. Like, you get home, maybe your commute's nice and long, so you have time to decompress. But usually, like, when I get home, I am, like, I have been on extrovert mode all day long. And I am just, like, flying, you know? And it takes me at least, like, an hour to two hours to calm down and to, like, relax. And this is, like, an industry where you're just, like, you have to learn how to be humble and you have to learn how to like take a lot of criticism all day long. So a lot of times I get home and I'm just like racking my brain, like things I did wrong, things I need to remember to do tomorrow, people I need to remember to talk to tomorrow. Like it's so much more than just like getting home and going to sleep as if you were like, Oh, my day's done. Here I go. <laughs> and uh, how many hours of sleep were you getting? Uh, on television shows, I usually get five, five hours of sleep probably if I'm lucky. But, again, you have to get home 
you have to decompress and then you have to wake up early so that you can be there 15 minutes early. <laughs> so, you know, you don't get much. Um, it's all consuming and you give your life to it, you know, and I think that's the, I think that's the most challenging part about being a PA especially is that you give your life to this and you have to show up every single day proving that like you want to be there and that you want to move up. That's a lot of hours and emotional energy and just it's just draining because you're giving your entire life to this like process and you're trying to show that. So then when you get shit on, which is all day, <laughs> you're like, I am here. I am missing doctor's appointments and dentist appointments and graduations and weddings and not flying home because I can't plan my life because I never know when my next job is going to be like you give yourself to this industry. And that's why it's so painful when like, you see PAs get treated like shit or you see us lose out trying to bargaining salaries because you're like, you're asking me to give all this to you for the bare minimum, sometimes illegal wages. And there's like nothing I can do about it. Speaking on wages, is there anything you want to say about that? You know, we were talking about like negotiations and not being able to negotiate or really have like any bargaining power. Like one of the most frustrating things that's happened to me recently was on a television show that I was hired on. I literally got in my car and drove all the way to LA to work on this show and was told, you know, you'd get paid this rate, um, you'd be paid daily rather than hourly. It sounded like an amazing gig, so it made it worth it for me to like make this drive and couch surf for however many weeks that I was in LA. And then it wasn't until my first paycheck that I was told, that, that I realized this is way lower than what my deal was. It's like you only have so much power to then say, like, hey, what the fuck? Like, what happened? Why is this not what you told me it was going to be in writing? You know, and in any other union, they'd be like, yeah, no, you have to pay what you said in this deal memo. But PAs often get fucked over in these deal memos where, oh, sorry, that we told you the wrong rate. Oh, sorry, you know, this th this wasn't quite communicated as clearly as we meant to, which basically means, oh, we lied. But then it's hard because people had stuck my neck out, stuck their necks out to get me on this show. So it's like... If I push back on this too hard, I'm they're just going to replace me. I'm easily replaceable on this show because tons of people don't want to work on this show. But the fact that I wasn't even getting paid more and as a key set PA than the other PAs was so fucked up because I had so much more responsibility. But, but I had little to negotiate with because what am I going to say? Like, well, <laughs> I'm here. I guess I'll get paid what you're going to pay me. Like, what else am I going to do? And so that constant, like, fuzziness and clarity, I mean, those issues where they know, like, no matter what, you're going to have to deal with it. You know, we can tell you this, this, and this, but really, you're going to be paid this, this, and this. And it makes PAs literally get together at the end of the day, like, huddle together with their pay stubs and say, okay, is this correct? Did we get paid this meal penalty? Did we get correctly, you know, marked for this? Like, are we making every dime that we are owed right now? And the sad part is a lot of time there's discrepancies and sometimes they're like so small that you're just like, oh, it's like too much to go through this whole process of like making people know that I'm looking this closely at my paycheck to then change. So yeah, and there's just, there's no route for you. There's no one to go to. And even the people who hired you who may have been like the nicest people in the world or like people that you really res respect and trust, like they have bosses too, you know, they can't. They can't stick their necks that far out for a PA because it then makes them look bad. So you have no power, none. So out of all of this, what do you think the hardest aspect of this job is? 
it's the emotional toll that I think is the hardest thing to deal with. Because you're dealing with constant confidence blows, constantly being belittled, dehumanized, sexually harassed, and knowing unless it gets really bad, there's nothing really that you can do besides quit. I think one of the hard things for me is that like I didn't make this career change till my mid-20s, and before that I worked in social services, and so I was used to dealing with crazy situations and human emotions, and I was a leader, you know, I had like a higher up position where I was really respected, and I was a boss, and so it's really hard to go from that to then becoming a production assistant where you're constantly belittled for like really stupid little things that don't matter, and you know, you're not able to, like, explain why situations are happening, like, and how they happened over the walkie, and you get judged on how things look when it's not your fault. So it's really humbling. Um, you learn to bite your tongue a lot and have a lot of patience. But at the same time, you have to also learn how to be loud and demanding and, like, in a respectful manner because you're basically cat herding, which is your whole job. So it's, like, the weirdest combo of emotions and traits that you have to juggle and do it well so that people get a good impression of you. Because you can't come into it with, like, a big attitude, because then you're seen as cocky, and you're seen as, like, somebody who's jumping over others. But you have to be a certain level of it, because if you're not, then you're not taking enough initiative, and then there's this and that. And so it takes a huge emotional toll, and that's why a lot of people who are PAs quit. And especially emotionally dealing with sexism, that is a reason why a lot of female PAs quit, especially when they don't have really strong female mentors. I've been super lucky because I have a ton of female mentors that are producers and ADs, and they constantly go to bat for me in situations where there's a lot of sexism and somebody saying that I'm too loud or that I'm too bossy. And it's like, would you be saying that to a male PA? I don't think so. So like checking those, but I, we've talked about this before, but like thinking about like Harvey Weinstein and this whole like, you know, explosion in Hollywood. And then you get these really famous, rich, like, well-respected actresses coming forward and saying, like, you know, this happened, this is fucked up, there's a lot of power issues, blah, blah, blah. Yes, they were. But what I like to think about is how many production assistants were probably in that crossfire that are never going to get a chance to have that voice and all the production assistants that probably altogether quit the industry after having those experiences because... They're like, I can't work in a field like this. I can't work in a field that is so backwards and still so suck in the 1950s where women are doing, like, the logistical stuff and men get to be, like, the creative workhorses. So that emotional toll of even just being, like, a female, or even if you're non-binary, anybody who's not, like, a male or even a white male in this industry has a much harder time at dealing with it emotionally because you're leaving work every day, racking your brain, thinking, like, was I loud enough but was I respectful enough was I you know did I take initiative enough did I assert myself enough but not too much to where it was like this or that did I deal with this instance of sexual harassment well enough to where it's not going to burn bridges for me but to where I can live with myself like all of these things take a huge emotional toll on you and as somebody who's like the lowest on the power ladder you don't have a lot of outlets to deal with that kind of stuff Finishing up, do you think there needs to be reform in terms of how assistants operate in our workplace? And what does that reform look like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we need a union, I think, plain and simple. I think I've been saying that since I started PAing. Something that we pay small dues into that's accessible, like within, I mean, I think it should be even accessible before you've even walked into a set because it can provide training can watch out for us, gives us bargaining rights, uh, gives us opportunities, offers benefits. 
I, I don't have healthcare unless I go through the marketplace, which is awful. I pay so much for healthcare that I can't even really use because it's so shitty. So we need something that offers benefits and that can hold productions accountable for things, especially like sexual harassment. And also to note that like our wages have been the same. PA wages have been the same for the last 20 years. Like people in the 90s were getting paid 200 a day to PA. So the fact that we're not adjusting for inflation, the fact that people in LA and other expensive cities are expected to be paid minimum wage and live in the apartments that we have to live in to live close enough to sets so that we can make a commute that doesn't make our turnaround <laughs> like three hours is nuts. And I think if we had a, I think if we had a union, we could network with the DGA, we could network with IATSE, we can help funnel PAs into the departments that they want to be in more easily. But we don't have that. We're expendable, simple labor. So we have no rights. And we're at the mercy of the few people who actually PA'd and remember what it was like so that they treat us well. But even they aren't invincible. You know, they can only stick their necks out so far too. But at least they have unions backing them. And I also think that we need a dictated wage that rises with inflation every year. Because, you know, especially in California, there are already so many labor laws that are built around the film industry. Like, California's one of the only places you can make double time. You don't make double time where I live. You only make time and a half. We actually, where I live, we go by California standards because they are better than what we have here when it comes to overtime. Like, here you technically don't get overtime until you've worked 40 hours, but that's unrealistic on commercials, right? Because you may only work three days in a week. And we should be getting meal penalties the way other unions get meal penalties. We get one meal penalty because we always get a meal penalty because we always come in earlier we eat lunch an hour later than everyone else. And sometimes, I mean, I've worked on things where PAs didn't get food at all, which is totally illegal. But who, like, who are we going to tell? You know, who are we going to complain to about that? They just go, oh, sorry. <laughs> here's your one, here's your $9. <laughs> it's crazy. And I don't think it should be a minimum wage job, at least, at least for, I mean, at least for key PAs or experienced PAs. We need some kind of bargaining power that we can be like, hey, I have all this experience. I've worked... You know, I've worked with PAs who've worked 600 days, which is how much you need to get into the DGA. Um, and they're still getting paid the same as like all the other set PAs. I've worked where I've been the key PA and making, I have more responsibility, more scrutiny, and I'm making the exact same wage as other PAs. There are also a lot of other really like insidious, awful production companies that are super cheap and try to pay PAs under minimum wage. And there's nobody to report those people to because... What they're doing is illegal, but some poor PA who's maybe brand new and doesn't know the, the rules is going to take it because they're like, yeah, it's my break into the industry, but really it's an exploitation of your labor. So I think a union would really solve all of these things. And I get it. Like people don't want to start unions because like we're not PAs forever, hopefully. Like I totally understand that argument. But I mean, wouldn't it be nice to have like some kind of bridge between not being in the film industry to like being in a position up in the industry where you've been taken care of the whole time? Like we are entry level workers, but when I was a grocery store assistant, I was part of a union, you know, like when I, when I pushed grocery carts and like cleaned up shit and like cleaned up spilled stuff, I was still part of a union and have bargaining rights, but you can't even, you can't even question your rates on shows because they will say, you're expendable. We'll get somebody else who will work for this rate, especially in LA, because there's tons of PAs. I get lucky because I'm in a city where there aren't as many. So when I advocate for a wage that I'm worth, usually they have to say like, yeah, we don't know anybody else or we believe you because we've worked with you before. We'll pay you more. 
but you don't get that everywhere. And that's all the time we have. Em, thank you so much for being on the show. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Jack. And thanks for uh, thanks for making this space for people to be able to talk about all of these <laughs> frustrations <laughs> and for a call to action. I think if you get enough people to talk about this stuff, that uh, something will change. That concludes our first episode of Assistance Anonymous. If you or anyone you know is an assistant and wants to share their feelings and experiences, write us at assistanceanonymous1 at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in and see you on the next one.